0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Um, the text that we're going to cover this morning starts with this verse. Let not your hearts be troubled. The one thing that um, you will hear and hopefully believe being here at Reach is the Bible is the Word of God. It is our truth. Well, the Bible tells us we can believe, and most of our tension comes in the place of what we know to be true and what we believe to be true. So we can know something but not believe it. Believe it is literally living in the place that it is true for us, not just saying, because a lot of us in this room would say, absolutely the Bible is true, but there's things in your life that you're absolutely not living in peace, joy, and all the other things that God promises you because you're struggling with the reality of, uh, of, is it true for you? We spend most of our times seeing why uh, we're going to spend most of our time seeing why we can trust Jesus with this reality. Most of our issues come from our desire to control things, our need for things to be fixed, our our wanting to make them um, all work out. The truth is, you can't fix. Most of the things that are going on in your life and this isn't it the bible isn't the tool to help you fix everything because some things in your life aren't fixable Which sounds Boring because you're like I want it to be fixed The truth is is that god is still good god is still gracious and god is still god when things aren't the way you want them to be uh, we're doing a study through James in a couple of weeks, and, and you'll see that over and over again, that what we see and what we know about the Word will hold us even when suffering comes, even when things in our life are out of our control. See, faith, joy, and peace are not determined by what you can control. Your faith, joy, and peace come from the Father through the Son to all the things and all the people that put their trust in him. So here's the one thing that I want you to kind of hear through the text today. I am, not talking about me, but talking about Jesus, saying these words, I am, so you can. That verse that we're going to wrestle with today, because you might not have the troubles that are going on in the disciples' lives, but we all live in the tension of the things that we're scared of, the things that we're afraid of, the things that aren't going our way, can we still trust God with those even when it isn't the way we want it to be, even if the outcome isn't what we desire? So let's pray before we get into the Word. Father, um, this is your word. Uh, this is your truth. Uh, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Lord, there is anxiety and troubled hearts in this room. There are people that are past the point of um, comfort, past the point of their control and being able to fix things, and they need a Savior that tells people to come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. A Savior that speaks, I will give you rest, and, and us believe that we can have the rest in you. So, Lord, we just ask that your word, your text, would be true to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is, uh, for those that don't know, this is out of the Gospel of John. Uh, This is the last teaching that Jesus is going to give his disciples. He's getting ready to go to the cross. This is during the Last Supper. This is really the second longest continuous lesson or teaching that jesus has done and this is to his disciples and right before this he tells them that he's leaving over and over again he said where i'm going you cannot follow and they're like why not we want to come with you we're going to come with you there's nowhere that you're going to go that we're not going to come and he's like well no you cannot come with me yet you will come but you're not coming now he also tells that one of them is going to betray. One of the disciples that Jesus handpicked is going to betray, betray Jesus. He's going to turn him in. He's going to leave the fellowship. And, and he actually does. Like, so he, they have the conversation, who is it, who is it. And I love this. And I say this all the time that I get around this topic. If you want to hear the heart of Jesus as it relates to you, know this. That in three years, Jesus being aware that Judas was the betrayer, Jesus never treated him in a way that the other disciples knew that it was Judas. See, we read it and we're like, that going Judas that whole time? We're like, how could he? How dare he? We feel like we'd be the other disciples going like, don't do this, Judas. They had no idea. Because when Jesus said, hey, one of you is going to betray me, they're like, Ooh, is it I? Is it I? They were all confused. Like, we think... I'm not pointing at you, Aaron, this other, (laughs) this, this guy, it's Judas. I knew it was him. See, Jesus's heart for people isn't changed because of what he knows their future is. His grace and his mercy is still poured out to Judas and Judas leaves the conversation. He's gone when we hear verse one of where we're going to start. But we also have this conversation where Peter gets a little cocky, and he was like, if all others leave you, I won't. I will not. And he was like, well, well, no, no, no. Before the end of tonight, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter, I'm sure in that moment, it was like, oh, heck no. I will not, even if I have to die, which he does die later on, down the road, crucified upside down, because he did not find his life worthy to be crucified like his master. They're about to lose everything. They've given up their life. For three years, they have followed the Messiah. In most of their minds, they believe that Messiah was coming to set up his earthly kingdom. James and John and their mother, petitioned Jesus to give them seats in his courts on his right hand and his left hand because they were expecting him to become the new King David, to rule and to reign and to get um, Rome out of there. And they were going to be ruling with him. Not he was going to die and leave after they've invested three years of their life. Their future is gambled on a living Jesus. That's what they think. That's where they're at. And they don't get a living Jesus. They get a Jesus that's going to the cross. This is what he's telling them. And in this verse, in verse 1 where we pick up right now, he tells them this line. That is where their head is. I'm leaving. You're not coming with me. So if he's leaving and we're not coming with him, he's not establishing the kingdom that they believed that they were going to help him rule and reign in. He's going to go. And so in verse 1, we pick it up um chapter 14 it says let not your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me see they they were rocked they were like what are we going to do we've given up everything there have been comments um people are are kind of wanting to leave jesus because a little bit earlier he said hey if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood you can have no part of me and some people are like nope i'm out I'm out, like, I was with you until you started talking about cannibalism, and then we're, I'm just not down with that. Um, I'm leaving. And he looks to his disciples, and he said, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. See, the following verses, the rest of the 13 verses that we're going to cover today is going to give you the reason why you can trust the first verse. Because I believe that this verse isn't just for his disciples. This verse is for everyone that would choose to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Everyone this morning that is going to choose Jesus to be their Savior gets to hear the words, Let not your hearts be troubled. If your hearts are troubled and you know Jesus, you need to hear the words coming to you this morning, Do not let your hearts be troubled. And he's going to tell you, and we're going to go through the next 13 verses that are going to communicate to you very effectively, in my opinion, why you can trust him. Because if you're, going to have to have faith, if you're going to have faith in something, you have to have this, like, is it capable of doing the thing that it promises? And this is what we're going to get into. In verse 2, it says, In my father's house are many rooms." If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you will also be. Hear this. So part of their troubled hearts is our Messiah, our Christ, our friend, our rabbi is leaving. So what does that mean for their future? Verse 1 starts with Jesus saying, your future is secure because I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you that you're going to be in residence with the Father. You're going to live with the Father, and I'm going there to prepare. And really, truthfully, that preparation, you're like, well, is, is Jesus, man, he is really slow at building. He's been building that mansion, that house, that place that we're going to live for a long time. Like, I thought he was a carpenter. Like, why can't he do it faster? Well, he's not doing it faster because he has a purpose and a reason for not doing it faster. He's not slow. He has a reason. But the preparation that he's making is our ability to enter into the house, which our ability to enter into the house comes through the cross. We do not get access to the presence of God without faith in Jesus redeeming us in the cross. So what he's going to prepare is the sacrifice, the atonement is going to happen that's going to provide us a way to enter into the house that is promised. And I love this, hear this, he said, you know, if I wouldn't tell you, and this is why you have to get into a place that you trust Jesus with what he says, because he's saying this, he's like, I'm going to prepare a place for you, okay? Okay. No, I don't. But why would I tell you I'm going to do something that I'm not going to do? Because he's a promise keeper. He's going to return, and and what he's, and I love this. It says he said, "I will come again, and I will take you to myself." The gift that we get is being with Jesus. Hear hear this, and I don't have time to go into you know the the construction of heaven. Um, but we're not sitting on clouds with little diapers with harps singing. God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and we will live in a, the Eden that was designed and desired for us with, and with God forever. That, that's what he's doing. That's what he's preparing. But it's not just the place that we get. And this is why it's important. This is why Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could get to heaven. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. See, he didn't like, and I believe this. I grew up in the South, and up until I was 18, I would have told you I was going to be with Jesus in heaven. But I wanted heaven, not hell. Hear that? I wanted heaven. I didn't want Jesus. I wanted Jesus to get me the thing that I want. But heaven isn't the thing that we get. Jesus is the thing that we get. So we don't get heaven, we don't get this thing, if we don't want the person that it is. Based off of, we want him. Verse 4. says, and you know the way. I love this. I love this. He asks questions all the time knowing that they don't have the answers so that they would ask the question. And he says, and you know the way to where I am going. (laughs) Because they've already had this conversation with like, okay, I'm going somewhere. You cannot come. And they're all like, where's he going? Did he tell you? Peter, Peter, did he tell you? James, John, did he tell you? Okay, y'all don't know either. <clears throat> and Thomas, ta- doubting Thomas, t- Thomas has no problem running his mouth and being like, hey, if I don't see it, I'm going to put my hands in the marks, I will not believe it. And Thomas is like, Lord, we do not know where are going. How can we know the way? You just told us we can't go with you. You didn't tell us where you were going other than you are going with the Father. Like, So how can we know the way? I love the honesty of Thomas. How can we know the, the way? Some of Jesus' questions have the same purpose. They have the, the question is to stir something in you to go, you know, because sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus said it, and you're like, whoa. I love the disciples, and I say this all the time. Like, they have teaching, he's teaching the crowd, they're nodding, yeah, 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 this is good stuff. And then they go back in the alone time with Jesus, and they're like, hey, what were you talking about out there? Because <laughs> I missed it. I think Jesus poses lots of questions for us to ask. What does he actually say? And the beauty of it is, he he's not afraid necessarily for you to ask the questions. And then he says this, verse 6, which is, Famous verse, probably the most famous in the text that we're going to carry or cover today. If you've been in and around the Bible, you've heard this to some extent. Um, Jesus said to him, so when he says, how do we know the way? Jesus said this line to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, make no mistake with this. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father or his house without entering through Jesus. There is no salvation. There is no heaven without Jesus. We serve a God that didn't say, hey, follow me. I'm one of the ways to get there. We serve a God, a creator that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The reason why we evangelize, the reason why we preach, the reason why we do this every Sunday is because this is the way. And if we believe this is the way, we must live like it is the way. We must live like he is the way. He is the path. He is the entry into heaven. He is the truth. Like this, I believe, is the most critical thing that's going on in our culture right now. Our culture over and over again is saying this is truth. This is truth. It's not might not be popular, but the truth is there's two genders. Two. God created them male and female. He is our truth. And we have to get to a place that we trust him, not our feelings. Because there's things that I'm like, oh, can't we, you know, feelings. We have to go, is it or isn't it? And, and, And Jesus is saying, hey, I am your truth. We have to be there. And the same thing with our life. There's so much of what we're struggling with right now is that we, in our own way, are trying to get life from something else, a career, a relationship. Drugs, pornography, we're trying to get something that we're like, oh, this, for a moment, it gives me something. And Jesus is saying here, if you want life, if you want real life, it comes through me. Faith is the truth that helps our troubled heart. Jesus' exclusive claim is unmistakable. It forces an unconditional response. Jesus invites people to accept or reject him, making it clear that partial acceptance is rejection. We cannot just say that Jesus is Messiah and Savior and the truth and the way and say that he is for part of us. He is for this piece of my life. He is for this. Like, I'm 100% on this piece, but I, this is mine. I, I don't want that. I, I want to control this. I want to say what is right or wrong. We don't get that option. I, as a pastor, don't get that option. And you'll see this also. I mean, TikTok, <laughs> I think, is fueling the fire with bad theology. These little shorts on Instagram, you'll get someone that sounds really smart that'll say something really dumb, and you'll be like, man, that, that feels like truth. But we have to be anchored back to what is truth. Verse 7, if you had known me, and this is what he's going to do, for the, through the rest of this up until 12, 13, 14. The rest of the six times he's going to beat this same drum. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Six times Jesus will beat this drum. Me and the Father are one. How can he make sure that my heart will not be troubled? How does he have the authority to stand and say for everyone that I can be your rest? Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. How can he say that? But if he and the Father are one, there is the authority. You see and know the Father by knowing Jesus. And Philip, (laughs) Philip said to him in verse 8, it says, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. How many of us in our own lives have been in those moments where like, just show up. Just show up. Let me see you. Let me see you. Because if I see you, I'll believe. If I see you, I'll believe. See, Philip wanted the burning bush. Philip wanted the encounter that Moses had on the mountain. Philip wanted to be like, if we saw the power of God, then yes, we would live in the place that he's all powerful. If we just see the Father, that's what they want. We just see him. see so this isn't the first time that Jesus has talked about this. The question for us is, do you recognize the real Jesus, or are we like Philip, spending years with the Lord and not understanding the truth of who He is? I spent the the first almost the first two decades of my life being around Jesus. I was a good southern boy went to church went to sunday school went to youth group i could regurgitate truths about jesus but i didn't know jesus i was around him see they had spent three years around jesus seeing miracles seeing people raised from the dead seeing the blind healed seeing leprosy healed seeing demons coming out of people and they're still asking for more proof They're still asking for more. If we could just have this one more thing. What is that one thing? Because here's the truth is. I I just want to let you know. I want to fill in the blank. If you got the thing that you think that you wanted. Meaning if God did this and I saw this. Then I would believe. It's not true. Because there would be something else in your life that would come. And you'd go I need to see this now. Because realize this. The people of God were freed from Egypt. By a powerful hand of God. Seeing his plagues one after another they see him part the sea and they get on the other side and just a few days later build us a calf build us a calf we're a people that regardless of how mighty the hand of god is on you today tomorrow you'll be like where's god they were so much like where it was moses moses was tied to god and when moses disappeared they're like we need another outlet Aaron, and I I love Aaron. I love Aaron because the people, he's like, well, give me your gold. He throws the gold in there. And you know what he tells his brother when he comes down? He's like, how could you do this? The people, they gave me the gold. I threw it in there, and this is what came out. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. See, they went back to what they knew before. They went back to worshiping something that had no power, no authority left it verse 10 says do you not believe that i am in the father and that the father is in me the words that i say to you i do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me does his works see your answer to this is very important who do you believe that jesus and the father are one Because if Jesus is just a good moral teacher, we're we're hopeless. Our our salvation is banked on nothing. If Jesus was just a man, then he died. And if he died without sin, then he may have remedied his life. But he had to be more than just us to save us. Verse 11. It says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. He's like, like, look, 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 look. I've been telling you from the beginning. I and the Father, like what you're seeing, you're seeing the powerful hand of God. Like we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the man born blind. This is something that no one had seen at all. No one. And he's showing people over and over again. This is what Jesus came to prove who he is To tell them, and I love reading in John still, he's like, he said this to them so that they would make sense later. He said this to them so that after they would remember and say, he told us. It's one thing to come out of the grave three days later as a surprise, and no one was even thinking, but when you tell them over and over again, hey, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to come back. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to come back. I'm going to die. Then, which we talked about this a lot, leading up to Easter, No one was there like he told them, and no one was at the grave. Like we think we would be there with our like our lawn chairs and our bonfire and be like, come on, Jesus. This is is where it begins. No, they weren't there. They were hiding in the upper room. They were hiding somewhere because they didn't want to get arrested or in trouble. See, believe. Is a big word with lots of meaning in this passage. It is more than believe like you believe in your favorite sports team or even your parents and their care. He is talking about with everything that you are trusting what he says is truth. And that he is working everything out to his glory and your good. And then verse 12. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. What the Father, sorry, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's two big things right there. You're like, I, I asked for lots of things in Jesus' name, and he didn't give it to me. Jesus' name is not a, uh, like a slot machine that is a guarantee. Jesus. Win every time. See, as you know Jesus, and as you come to the Father and know the Father's heart, then you pray the Father's will, and in the Father's will... God moves over and over again. James talks about that. We'll get into that, that we ask for our own selfish gain. We don't want to be in that place. And I I love this piece about the greater works. And you're like, well, I haven't really done greater works. Here's the beauty of what I think is going on in this piece. Jesus is speaking this pre-resurrection. So the most that they could do, the most that the disciples could do at this point was to preach about Jesus, about what he is going to do. We, on this side, we don't just get to do things in the physical. See, the greatest work is not a miracle in the physical that will only last in this lifetime. The greatest work is adding someone's name to the book of life that will last forever. See, we, the greater work, I believe, isn't just the miraculous of like, I want to raise people from the dead. Honestly, if God allowed you to raise people from the dead, it would go to your head, it would ruin you. You would start a ministry, start collecting money, and then you would have a jet and, you know, designer clothes, and you would be, you know, it would be bad. It would be bad. I I honestly believe that if if we had the character to match, there would be more manifestations of the spirit in our life. But I think that a lot of that doesn't happen because you don't have the character, and we see this with evangelists, we see this with people that God starts doing things in, and then it gets to them, it goes to their head, and then, you know, then the the snake comes in and whispers in their ear, I do deserve, I do deserve. But the greatest work that we get to participate in is exposing the gospel to someone so that their life is awakened for eternity. That's forever. Not just, see, if you heal somebody or if you raise someone from the dead, their life, Lazarus, here's what you need to know, Lazarus healed, raised from the dead. (laughs) They wanted to kill him for that, but we'll leave that out. Um, Lazarus died again. Lazarus is not still alive today. I mean, he's alive In a sense that he's with the father and he will live and reign with him for eternity, but he didn't live he died again if god fixes heals your cancer or uh, Infertility or something that's going on in your life There will be something else If god heals this thing that's there and and I believe I believe you're in a church that believes that he still does We're going to pray we're going to believe And in the end, we're still going to praise God. Now, if you read, I think it was this morning or yesterday with David, when his child was promised by Nathan, this child's going to be dead because of what he did and his own sin. Like, this is what's going to happen. And he he got in his fasting and prayed and lamented, and he was just there. And they were afraid to tell David that his son finally died. And then when he finally knew, he went and ate, and they're like, why are you like this? And he was like, before he died, there was hope and faith that he would live. And God decided otherwise, and I'm, I'm going to live now, in this moment. He said, because you know, the reality is, is I will get to see my son again. Because I am, you can. So here, here's a couple of questions for you today. Who is Jesus to you? Like, you know, not like, oh, you know, he's my Savior. Is he? Like, what does that look like? Because the heart that he's saying here is that not that life will be easy. And I say this a lot in here. Look, um, there, there are gospel. Well, I wouldn't even call this gospel. There are people preaching contrary gospels, the, the prosperity gospel which the prosperity gospel really only works in the U.S. Other countries where they're lucky to even have service, they're lucky. I mean, China is one of the fastest growing. Iran, I think, is actually exceeding them on numbers of converts. And death, death is their hope. (laughs) Because if they get caught, this is what happens to them, and they're, they're pursuing Jesus. See, our hope and our eternity, and our heart's not being troubled, isn't necessarily that God's going to fix everything right now. It's that for eternity, after this light and momentary affliction, we will spend eternity with Jesus. In a in a new body, one that I, I believe, you know, we <laughs> we won't have to worry about diets anymore. I think. Um, for all those that. Choose to not eat some things. Maybe one day we won't have to even worry about it. So who is Jesus to you? Because that that question you have to answer. So that because it determines it determines whether or not you live in this place of going in spite of what comes. I worship you. In spite of what comes, I will make my life's mission your kingdom. So here's kind of a litmus test to that answer for you. You can ask this to yourself also. Is Jesus your way, and I say your truth, that I meant. Is he the way, the truth, and the life to you? So here's how you can figure out if he is. Ask people around you. Would they agree with you that Jesus is your way? And is the truth and is the life for you Not this not sunday morning people Because sunday morning people see the best You don't fight you might fight in the car, but you don't fight here You'll smile put your arm around each other. We love each other But at home ask this question to your children and your spouse. Do you see jesus in me? And I don't mean, do you see a perfect individual that has been perfected by Jesus? I mean, do you see the change that Jesus is making in me? Do you see this progression of what he's doing in me? Ask. That's a dangerous question, especially if you have an honest spouse. And if one of those isn't where it should be, what are you going to do to change it? What truths do you need to wrestle with and say, this is God's word? Look, I'm not a corner. I'm I'm never going to stand on a corner and berate people. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone guy. I don't think it works. At least the videos I've seen, it's more like he gets mocked and then they use clips of that to make Christianity look stupid. But there is a way that we live our lives and we preach the gospel to friends, to family members, to people around us that says the same reality. Because today, this is what we said. If he is the way, the truth, and life, no one else comes to the Father except through the Son. We're saying that everyone that chooses not the Son chooses something else. They choose hell. And, and for those that are like, yeah, Jesus is nice and he's loving and, and, and the Old Testament God isn't God that was polluted. We can see the truth. Jesus talks about hell a lot. He is a reflection. So some people would take this and be like, we if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father, which we have. But we don't need to cherry pick the pieces of Jesus that we like. We have to hear the words that say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So what are you willing to change to work on or to invite someone else into to work on one of these realities? It may be a direction that you're heading to get life that isn't giving you life, that's actually pulling you away from life. It may be inviting a friend into this just saying, hey, this is where my struggle is. The most dangerous thing that we can do is to keep what's destroying us on the inside. The reason why you go to doctors, the reason why you get scans, the reason why you do these things is because you want to know what's going on so that you can do something about it. Do not allow what's going on to you to stay hidden. Find safe people that you can say, this is what's going on in my heart and I need help. We need help. No one in this room has the capacity to do what is necessary in your life to create the gospel-centered man or woman that you've been designed to be. So my next thing is that word, let not your hearts be troubled. Bring your troubled hearts to the Father and leave them there. At the end of service, we have this little banner in the back with a light behind it. This is prayer. Uh, This is every Sunday. Every Sunday we have prayer. And And you may be like, well, you know, I'm fine. I'll sit here and pray. There is something that happens when you speak words to other people and say, like, this is what's going on. I want you to pray. And it may, it may mean you don't even tell them what's going on. You're just saying, today I need prayer. There's something that happens when you acknowledge a need and you say, hey, please. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And I'm going to leave you with this. And I encourage you, for those that aren't reading along with us in the one Your Bible and haven't read this already, I encourage you to spend some time in John 14 through John 17. That's where all of, we've been in 14, but 15, 16, 17, this is his whole message. This is his whole teaching uh, about this. And at the verse 14, or chapter 14, is the first promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it is to your benefit that I go away. And they're like, no, no, no. See, I think today we would prefer to have the physical Jesus here with us. I've, I've thought that. I've, but the, the problem with physical Jesus is physical Jesus is in one place. So physical Jesus is with me. He's not with you. But the Holy Spirit, <laughs> everywhere. He said, it is to your benefit because he, the helper cannot come. The counselor cannot come until I leave But when I leave, the Helper comes. And we see this in Acts when they were like, it took a ragtag band of, I hate saying this because they're the apostles, losers. Losers get turned into winners when the Holy Spirit, the power of God comes and lives inside of them. And so you may be like, I I don't know how I can live this place. I don't know how I can... um, let this anxiety that's controlling me. The answer is the Holy Spirit. The answer is, Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you to live in a truth without me. Jesus said, I want you to live in a truth. And guess what? Guess what? I'm going to send you the counselor. I'm going to send you the helper here. And so part of how I want to close today is I want to, I want to invite people. To do a couple of things. One, you can maybe answer for the first time today that I want Jesus to be that for me. I I want to believe that he is the way, truth, and the life. And I've not believed that to this point. This may be your defining moment where you say, I want to start following. And realize that if he's the way, then you have to, you know, when Jesus said over and over again, follow me. That's what the way means, follow me. But I also want to invite people today to say, I need Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit in me. Like, I love when, and let's read. if you want to read later, Acts 2, um, the ragtag band, they get the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches a on-fire sermon, 3,000 people get saved. First sermon. Look, I'm telling you what, if I had preached my first sermon, 3,000 people get saved, I would have been a mess. Like, I'd have been like, <laughs> best preacher in the world. Um, God didn't give me that, and that's fine. I, I, I don't need it. I'm not ready for it. But, you know, he preaches, and I think what changed him from being that person that would have taken the glory and would have taken the whatever is the Holy Spirit. You know what happened? And this is where we need to live. So you should read Acts 2 and then come to Acts 4 so they receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that if you're a child of God, if you've said yes to Jesus, the deposit, the guarantee, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. But I believe that we're like leaky vessels when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I believe that we constantly need to be in a place of going, I need you. He's there, present, but our ability to surrender to him needs to be redone every time. So you read in two, it happens. They receive the Holy Spirit in power. Tongues of fire come down, preach an amazing sermon. They start getting persecuted in Acts 4. What happens? They run back to the room, and they're like, what are we going to do? They're threatening us. And what does God do? He sends the Holy Spirit back. And what does that give them? It gives them a boldness to do the things that he called them to do. So I believe this morning, like, hey, if you're just struggling, like, you know, like, I'm a child of God. I'm not a perfect person, but I love Jesus, and I'm trying to walk in his way. I want to. I am his child. But you're just struggling I just I would invite you this morning just to say, I need the Holy Spirit. Not that you don't have it already, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in the truth. See, like what he tells us all throughout this next section, he's like, there's so many things that I want to tell you that you need to know, but you're not ready and I don't have time, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. What makes us capable to make it through the day is life with the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. Tap into that. Let's pray. Father, that's my first prayer. For all of those in this room that are right right now, right now, Jesus, I need more of you. For everyone that that is their heart cry, that I need more of you, Lord, I pray that you pour out your spirit that you fill us, not with a a cocky, arrogant heart, but this humble, chosen, beloved. Lord, we want to be bold for you, but we need you in us to be bold. We need you in us for life. Lord, I pray for every single person as they're receiving more of what you have for them. I pray that Every place that you aren't our way, that you aren't our truth, that you aren't our life, that you expose it and you remedy that in us to say, God, we choose you. We don't choose the lie of the enemy that whispers in our ear to take that thing. Lord, you are our truth. And I pray that as humble, beloved children, we would walk in your way we would live out your truth and we would experience life to the full. And so Lord, if there's someone in this room that wants you a relationship with the Father, they want the Holy Spirit for the first time, they want to be united with you, they want to be part of that family, Lord, I pray that you welcome them in as they acknowledge their sin, they acknowledge that they have been separated from you because of their behavior, because of their choices. And Lord, that they acknowledge that you went to the cross to remedy that. That you became life for us by taking on our death. So Lord, help us live that out today. Lord, let us experience your grace. Let us walk out of this room where When we walked in with troubled hearts, Lord, I pray that there would be a lighter sense of hope and joy and peace that comes from trusting you. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.